God's grace, His unconditional love, and the peace that comes from knowing that our sins are forgiven and that heaven is ours is yours today and every day because of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen. Not this past New Year's Eve, but the New Year's Eve before, so about a year and a half ago, uh, Ann and I were here in Liberty Hill, and my family all lives up in uh, Illinois, uh, except for Dave. Uh, but everyone else lives up in Illinois. And so on New Year's Eve a couple of years ago, Ann and I thought it'd be uh, funny. Well, I shouldn't throw Ann under the bus. I thought it would be funny if uh, we prank called my mom. And so we did like the Star 99 or whatever you have to do to, to make a call unknown. And we called her cell phone and the home phone, and we left uh, voicemails. And we disguised our voices and everything. And uh, we were waiting for her to call us back, you know, thinking she would because we're down here, she's up there. But three hours later, we still hadn't heard anything. And so we called her back and said, uh, hey, Mom, what's going on? She said, you won't believe what happened. And we're kind of giggling because we're like, of course we know what happens. Or what happened. And she said, when everybody was at church tonight for New Year's Eve, somebody broke into Grandma and Grandpa's house next door. They took cell phones, they took laptops, they took Grandma's jewelry, the TV, everything. And now I think one of the thieves is messing with me because they've called my house and my phone and left messages. And it's weird. And I called the cops, and they came and listened to the messages. <laughs> and they're looking into it. <laughs> Mom did not think it was funny to hear that Ann and I were the prank callers. She didn't think it was funny at all. But I'll tell you what that did. Not the prank calls, the, the, the robbery. It caused all kinds of emotions in my grandparents and in my parents who live next door. It caused them to feel violated. And if you've ever been robbed... That's how you feel. You feel violated. Somebody has trespassed. Somebody has crossed the line into your house or taking your things when they shouldn't. And you feel like somebody crossed the line. You feel violated. And you lose trust in other people. And so now, instead of just locks on your door, you get door jams and security systems because you don't trust people. That's an emotion that comes from being robbed. You feel sad. Because the things that were taken, for my grandma, for instance, they were jewelry handed down from parents. And yes, she could go out and replace them, but the memories of those things don't come with the new things that you buy. You get angry and frustrated as you have to go out and, and replace everything. You get angry because you have to cancel your credit cards, get a new phone, get a new license. Uh, not to mention you get angry because now your identity could be stolen because they have credit cards and, and your ID. It's an, uh, a situation that causes anger and frustration as your things are taken from you. And all these emotions make sense, don't they? If you've ever been robbed, my guess is you've had these emotions at some point throughout the process. And so if this is how you and I feel, when a human steals from us, or, uh, yeah, when a human steals from us, so somebody else takes our things, how do you think the God of this world feels when a human steals from Him? When a mere mortal, a sinner, steals from the holy and perfect God, how do you think He feels? This morning, we are going to look at a situation 
where somebody stole from God. And we're going to look at our lives on how we steal from God. And we're going to see how God feels about it. To do so, we're in Joshua chapter 7 today. Joshua is an Old Testament book, the sixth book of the Bible. Uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy, written by Moses. And Exodus through Deuteronomy, the second book of the Bible, through the fifth book of the Bible, is all about the Israelites, on how they were enslaved by the Egyptians. They uh, escaped the Egypt and slavery to the Egyptians around 1500 B.C., and then wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. At the end of Deuteronomy, God says, Joshua, you're now leading the Israelites, and you're going to lead my people into Canaan, to take it over, and this is going to be the land for the Israelites. Here is your, your land. And I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to drive everybody out. And so here I want to show you, uh, we're going to pick up in Joshua chapter 7, but I want to show you where we're at on the map. So this was kind of the world map at the time. Here's Africa, the tip of Africa. Here's Europe. Here's Asia over here. The land of Canaan is right here along the Mediterranean Sea. Right there. And I got a close-up for Oh, here's Egypt down here, and this is where the Israelites escaped and wandered around down here, and then one up into here. Here is a zoomed-in picture of the Mediterranean Sea. Here's the land of Canaan. And so Moses brought them all the way up to here, and now Joshua is going to take them into Jericho and Ai. Uh, Jericho, you may remember, because our reading from today, it, it said that Jesus passed through Jericho. And so this is Jericho uh, about 1,400 years before Jesus was born. This is where we're talking. That's when Joshua takes place. And so they're about to go in and and take it over. And Jericho was a a key city in the land of Canaan. Uh, They had high, high walls, thick, thick, thick walls. Nobody could go in. It was thought to be impenetrable. And God said, I'm going to be with you Israelites, and I'm going to make sure that you get in and conquer the people. And how are you going to do it? You're going to walk around the city once a day for six days straight. On the seventh day, uh, you're going to walk around it seven times. And on the seventh time, you're going to scream, shout, blow your trumpets, and the walls are going to come crashing down. You can go in and take over the city. But here's what God said to the people Before this happened, before they go in, Joshua chapter 6, God says, The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into His treasury. All of the plunder is God's, he says. Why? This is the very first city that the Israelites are taking over in the land of Canaan. Everything else, every other city will be theirs. God says, give me the very first one. Give me the first fruits of the land because I am the one who's giving it to you. I am the one who's providing it for you. Give it to me, the first fruits of the land. And in doing so, it helps the Israelites recognize three things. Number one, and this is your first point today. Number one, it helped them recognize where all things 
come from. It helped them recognize where all things come from. Once the city laid in ruins, they would see all of the plunder. It would be everywhere. Uh, And the temptation would be to take it for themselves and to say, my strength, my might is producing this wealth. Look, we came in and we took these people over. But as they give the first city to the Lord, as they say, no, we're going to walk by it and dedicate all that to the Lord, it's them recognizing all things come from God. Just like everything's been coming from God for the last 40 years. In the wilderness, God provided everything that they needed. As a 40 years, every day, except for the seventh day of the week, God would rain down manna from heaven. They'd wake up and it would be like snow on the ground so that they had meat. And then on the sixth day, they were supposed to gather for two days so that they had manna on the seventh day as well. God provided that for them every single day. As they traveled in the wilderness, God multiple times brought water from a rock. A dry rock God brought water from to provide them with water. All things come from God. And as they're going into this new country, as they're going into this land that is described as flowing with milk and honey, all of the riches that you could ever imagine, devoting all of this first city to God helped them recognize all things are still going to come from God. Not from our strength, not from our, our might, but from Him. Number two, it helped them recognize their security comes from God. It helps them recognize their security comes from God. The Israelites had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the first time some of these people have ever seen wealth. Think about that. They've never seen iron, bronze, gold, silver, the ornate clothing. This would be the first time they're seeing these things. And what would be the temptation? Let me gather up as much as possible, put this nest egg in my tent, and so if if things go south here as we take over the country, well, at least I have all of this nest egg in my tent to fall back on. Look at all this wealth I have. And God says, no, your security isn't in your wealth that you have built up in your tent. The security is in me. And he reminded them of this right before they went into the land of Canaan and started taking over. At the end of Deuteronomy chapter 29, here's what God said. The Lord says, During the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. Why? Because God preserved them. He was the one that kept things up. Imagine that, for 40 years, not needing a new set of clothes or a new set of sandals. Now, we think about 40 years of having the same clothes and imagine uh, how unfashionable you'd be. Uh, But in the wilderness, do you think they cared about how fashionable they were? No, they cared about, does this have holes? Is it durable? And it was. Not because the clothes were so specially made, but because God preserved them. Imagine all the walking that they did, the miles and miles of walking that they did and never having to replace their sandals for 40 years. Why? Because God preserved them. He was their security. It wasn't in wealth. God's going to take care of them and that's where they find their security and their peace and their rest. And walking past these things, 
walking past all of the plunder, help them recognize my security is not in this, but in my God. And finally, it helped them recognize the bigger picture. It helped them recognize the bigger picture. The Israelites weren't just another group of people. It was through the Israelites that God was going to reveal His Scriptures, His Word. It was through the Israelites that God was going to send the prophets. It was through the Israelites that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, God Himself, would walk in this earth and come to save all people. The taking over of the land of Canaan was more than just, let's conquer some land because we need it as a nation, and let's get all the plunder. No, that's not what it was about. The, the, the conquering of the land of Canaan was bigger than that. Because it was in this land that the Messiah would walk, that God Himself would walk on this earth. It was in this land, in Jerusalem, where God's Son, Jesus, would suffer and die to win salvation for the world. This was bigger than just conquering and plundering uh, cities. This was about God's holy land where His Son would come to save all people. And walking past this plunder was helping them recognize there's a bigger picture here. God of salvation is working a bigger thing than just plundering these cities. This is what they all knew. Don't take the stuff. We're devoting it to God. End of chapter 6. Jericho's walls have fallen. City conquered. Much rejoicing. But then we turn to chapter 7. Here's what we're told. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. The city lie in ruins. The plunder all exposed. Everyone is rejoicing. And there's Achan. Looking to his right. Looking to his left, seeing that nobody is looking, and he grabs money, he grabs robes, and he takes the robes back into his closet and and puts it in with all his other things, and he buries the treasures in his tent underneath, underneath the ground. He steals them. Why'd he do it? We're not told. So we don't. We can't say definitively, but maybe it was the first time he saw wealth and he just wanted it, and so he took it. Maybe it was that whole nest egg thing where he saw the wealth and he said, I could be rich for a while and not have to worry about a thing. Let's bank it. Whatever it was, he stole from the Lord. He took the devoted things from God. After this, Do you remember Ai right next to Jericho? Uh, People were rejoicing. They went over to Ai to to take that over. Small little town. Easy. No problem. Except God was no longer with His people. And Ai, this small little town, routed the Israelites. And they ran back to Jericho with their tails between their legs, licking their wounds. And Joshua falls before God and says, Lord, why have you done this? Now all of Canaan's going to hear about this and they're all going to unite and come and take us over. Here's what God says. The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are, you, uh, what are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. 
They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. God said, The devoted things are mine. The first fruits of the country are mine, and Israel has stolen. Yes, they didn't belong to anybody here on earth, but God said, These are mine, and someone took them from me. And that's stealing. God's people struggle with this for all time. A thousand years after this, 400 BC, Israel was still struggling with this. And so God sent a prophet named Malachi uh, to confront them. And here's what God says through Malachi. Will a mere mortal rob God? The obvious answer would be no, right? Why would we ever want to rob God? And God says, yet you rob me. But you ask, "How how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God says, Israel, you are robbing me. For the Israelites living in 400 B.C., it was from their harvest. God said, give me the first fruit of your harvest. And what would they do? They would take all of their stuff, all of the harvest, and then give the leftovers. Either things that they couldn't store, and so they gave them to God, or the not-so-good part of the harvest they would give to God. Not the first fruits. For Israel with Joshua, the first fruits were the city, Jericho. God says, give it to me. This is mine. And in both instances, when God, when God says, when you don't give me your first fruits, you are stealing from me. So there's application for us here, right? God says in the New Testament church to you and me too, give me your first fruits. Give me the first fruits of your paycheck, of, of your wealth. He says that. And when we do, it helps us recognize three things, right? It helps us recognize where all things come from. It helps us recognize that the God of this world gives us everything that we have in this life. Your homes, your cars, your phone, your paycheck, the ability to work. Everything comes from God. The reason you can work, the reason that your job is prosperous, the reason that your business is prosperous, is because God makes it that way. Tomorrow He could snap His finger and your job is gone. God says, everything you have comes from me. In fact, James, a New Testament author, says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. All that we have comes from Him. And you talk about America... Talk about being a blessed nation. What is the biggest need that you and I have? What's the biggest struggle that you and I have on a day-to-day basis? If we're honest, the biggest struggle, the biggest need that we have is do we have good cell reception or internet service? That is our biggest need on a day-to-day basis. We have food. We have water. Besides health. Besides health. Let me say that. 
but we have food, we have water. All of our physical needs are met, and that's because God gives everything that we need. And as we give our first fruits, it's, it's our way of saying, God, I recognize that everything comes from you. Number two, it helps us recognize where our security comes from, right? Here's what Jesus says in Matthew. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, non-Christians, people who don't know they have a Savior, they run after all these things. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your security doesn't come from how much wealth you have stored up. Your security doesn't come from how big your paycheck is. Your, Your security comes from knowing that you have a Father in Heaven who knows what you need and provides for every single need. Not want, need. And he even, right before this, he points out and gives an object lesson. Look at the birds of the air. They do not worry, and yet they need to eat. And God knows that they need to eat, and so he provides for them. He says, look at the flowers of the field. They're not worried about what they're dressed like, and yet your heavenly Father clothes them with beauty. If he does this for the birds of the field or birds of the air and the flowers of the field, how much more will he do for you whom he sent his son to live and die for? He didn't send his son to die for a bird or for the flowers. He sent his son to die for you. And you have a father in heaven who knows all of your needs and he says, "I'm your security." And it helps us to recognize the bigger picture, right? As we bring our first fruits to the Lord, we recognize that life isn't about earthly wealth. It's not. Because guess what? At the end of the day, we can't take money with us. My dad's told me many times, it's just money, you can't take it with you. And it's true. At the end of your life, it doesn't matter if you have a million dollars or one dollar. You can't take any of it with you. Life is bigger than about earthly wealth. Life is about salvation. It's about knowing uh, Jesus as your Savior, the forgiveness that comes through Him. This is spiritual wealth. This is spiritual treasures that we bank up. And the peace that comes with that. And as we give our first fruits to the Lord, it's us saying, Lord, I recognize this. I recognize that life is more than just this money. It's about knowing You. My Father in Heaven who sent Jesus to live and die for me. Many of us would not think that we're thieves, right? Many of us see the seventh commandment, you shall not steal, and we think to ourselves, not applying to me. Maybe coveting, which we're going to talk about in two weeks, but not stealing. I don't take things. And yet, here's two number of orders that I want you to look at. Which one best describes you? When you get your paycheck, do you pay off bills, then fund money, and then offerings? Or offerings, bills, fund money? So what would this look like? Number one, I give my paycheck, I sit down, I write out my bills, then I go out and spend my fund money, uh, and then whatever's left over, if anything, then I give to the Lord. Or is it I give my paycheck, and the very first thing I do is say, this is the amount I want to set aside for the Lord's work to carry out his gospel proclamation that more and more may hear salvation. Then I'm going to pay my bills, and then whatever money's left over, that's my fun money. Because I can give first, because I know 
who my God is. I know that all things come from Him. I know that He's my security, and I recognize the bigger picture. Which one describes you? You don't have to answer out loud. Because here's the thing. If the first one, if we can relate to the first one, the top one, we are stealing from God. God says, give me your first fruits. Give it to me first. We are all thieves before the Lord. And how does God handle thieves who steal from Him? Let's see what happened to Achan. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor Him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they stoned the rest, they burned them. This is absolutely brutal. There is no other way to say it. You want to know how God feels about stealing? This is it. Why the rest of his family? Because the way they set up their tents, there's no way that his family did not know what was going on. They were accomplices. And God told Israel, if you want me to be with you, you have to rid the thieves among you. This brought joy to nobody. Nobody was filled with joy after this. Obviously, Achan and his family wasn't, but even Israel. It brought them no joy to throw stones at people until they died. This was horrible. And yet God says, this is how serious I am about the seventh commandment. This is how serious I am against sin. The holy and perfect God cannot be with sin. You must rid yourselves of it. So let's get back to you and me. If that's the case, why are we still standing here? Why are you sitting here today? How come lightning doesn't strike you or you fall over dead? The only answer? Jesus. God's own Son. The God-man born into this world to walk perfectly, to live perfectly. And that's exactly what He was. He was perfect. He never once stole anybody's property. He, he always gave God what was God's. He was perfect in every way. And yet He stole one thing. Do you know what it is? He stole your sins. He took them from you. And He put them into the closet of His heart and said, These are mine. And He buried those sins under His tent and said, These are mine. And God said, If you want me to be with you, the thief must die. And Jesus said, Here I am. I confess. 
These are my sins. All of your sins, Jesus said, they're mine. Each and every one of them. And just like the Israelites had to drag Achan out into the valley, the Israelites, the Jewish people, 33 AD, dragged Jesus, surrounded Him, and pelted Him, not with stones, but with their fists. And they brutally murdered Him by crucifying Him on the cross. And guess who He hung between? Two criminals. Tradition says they were thieves. Jesus died with thieves, identifying as a thief for all the times you and I are thieves. And so God looks at you now and He says, you are cleansed. You are holy. You are perfect. You are forgiven because My Son took your place. My Son identified as the robber that you are. You are clean and forgiven. I am with you always. And He promises I am with you always to the very end of the age. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. But you are forgiven. And so here's a point we're taking home today. Jesus stole your sins and gave you eternal riches. Jesus took your sins from you, each and every one of them. He took them as His own and He says, in, your, in that place I give you Perfection. I give you holiness. I give you forgiveness. I give you peace knowing that you have a Father in Heaven who's taking care of all of your needs. I give you peace knowing that death isn't the end, but death, when you die, you continue to live on in Heaven with my Father and with me. These are the heavenly riches that He gives to each and every one of us because He stole our sins from us. And so what do we do? We bring our offerings to the Lord. We bring those first fruits and we say, Lord, use this to spread the news of salvation to all people. Uh, Lord, as I give, I recognize where all things come from. It's from you, my Father in heaven. Uh, I give and I recognize that you are my security. You're preserving my life. My security through death is in you. Lord, I give and I recognize the bigger picture that it's all about salvation. That is about knowing you, my Savior Jesus, who lived and died for me, opened up heaven's doors. And so we do what the prophet, what God said through the prophet Malachi, right? We, we give and we trust and we test the Lord in this. God says, give me your first fruits and watch, I will open up the floodgates of heaven and I will bless you in every way that you could possibly imagine. May God be with you this week as you realize that you are rich in your Lord and Savior Jesus, that you have forgiveness, that you are clean, and that God is with you always. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we cannot be more grateful and more thankful that you identified as the robber that we are and that in, in our place, uh, you took our sins and in return, you have given us salvation forgiveness and peace. What a wonderful blessing it is to know you. What, a, what love you must have for us to go through that for us that we may have salvation. Uh, may we always honor and glorify you in everything we do and every thought, word, and deed. Be with us this week as we carry this out. Amen.